Yeah. Okay. So you have an idea. You have an idea and you think it's going to be awesome and it flops and then another one flops and then you just get labeled as this ideating person and you label yourself as someone who just ideates about things all the time. There's no follow through. You talk yourself out of it. People tell you why it's not a good idea. Well, I'm here to tell you that my guest today, Tamson Webster, is going to explain a lot about how we should approach these ideas, how we can validate these ideas, and how we can determine like what kind of effort we're gonna need to put forth to actually make this come to life. It doesn't necessarily need to be a business idea, but this is a show for entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. That's what the Leadership Locker is all about. And that's why I have guests like this. Now, let me just tell you, I freaking went into her socials and I like to do this thing where I go to a tweet from that, my guest from a year ago. I couldn't scroll that much, man. Like it was impossible. I was like, she's had like 30,000 posts in the last two years or three years or something along those lines. And it was just like absolutely like bananas. And then I was like, okay, let me look at her Instagram. She had tons of content there. Her website is just like unbelievably well-branded. I mean, she has left no leaf unturned and sets a very, very good example of what looking really dialed in looks like. But it's because she knows her audience and she knows her idea and she knows what she is here to do and she knows the outcome that she expects and she's going to go into this. Now, not only that, but when I see people I've had on the show like Dory Clark, Kendra Hall and Gary V following her, Mike Kim following her, I'm like, dude, there must be something to her. And now look, it was on a Friday, um, but I'm so glad she still brought the energy and the truth. And we just go ahead through these rabbit holes of ideating and what contributes to the failure and success of the ideas that we get super pumped up about and that don't come to fruition. She will let you know exactly why and why not. And we are gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it right now. Here we go. Okay, everyone, I'm so glad you're here. I'm, I'm, I hope you enjoyed the introduction. And I was just telling Tamsin, I've, I've, there's really not a lot of people whose social media I've tried to scrub and just came across like, I felt like it was endless content, but- Hopefully good endless content. <laughs> but um, I'm gonna let her introduce herself really briefly. I know I did my thing, but it's always good to hear from the person themselves. Uh, can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you have going on? Sure. I am Tamsin Webster. I officially am a message strategist, but in reality, that's more like being an English to English translator. Uh, and I work with people with deep bodies of experience, experts, uh, thought leaders, those kinds of folks, founders, uh, to help them explain their ideas in a way that anyone can understand and ultimately act on. Well, this is going to be fantastic for the listeners because they're entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, and, and many of them are veteran entrepreneurs like myself. And we are full of ideas, and a lot of them are you nonsense. Are. I know. <laughs> but uh, this is going to be fantastic. But first, I want to talk about I love number one on your website how you have need a bio. Here you go, longer, and here's a shorter one. I love that. But it's riddled with accolades very well-known companies, you know, speaking engagements, like the things that you've done, it seems just kind of like a dream life. And it's just like, okay, well, you have all these things. You know, how is it, how is it possible you're going to help me, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Lowly business idea person with, with what I got going on? You've had it made. 
Ah, no, I mean, that's the whole point of the, the work that I do is because people from all walks of life have incredible ideas and incredible ways that they can help other people do whatever they do better. And I just saw over and over again that a lot of time the reasons those ideas didn't get out there was simply because they got quite literally lost in translation. They got lost between this big, beautiful idea that was in the entrepreneur's head and the audience that needed to understand it. And that's a solvable problem. So I really have in a lot of ways dedicated my work and my life to solving that problem for people. Now, you spent, uh, I believe it was 13 years as a TEDx executive producer, which means... So 13 years as a Weight Watchers leader, and then I've been working with TEDx Cambridge for the last eight plus years. Okay. Well, when it, well, this is actually even better than, thank you for that correction, because the question is is better suited in kind of a fitness space, right? If you were a leader in Weight Watchers, which is literally uh, geared towards people seeking change, women seeking change, and it all begins with an idea where I'd like to go from this weight to this weight, or I'd like to look this good, or I'd like to fit back in my wedding dress. Tell me some of the, you know, granular details you see about people's ideas and how they go from, you know, just a tiny speck of nothing to evolving. You know, the process of understanding an idea is in many ways the same as coming up with one. And that was really, you know, that's the that's the realization I had in reverse from my moonlighting work as a Weight Watchers leader, which was really understanding and diving deep in order to just in order to be better at that, I did a lot of research to understand how is it that people make a decision to change, where does that come from, all sorts of things about Um, how people pay attention to and process information and motivation and just all sorts of stuff. Like anything I could get my hands on that seemed to be somewhat related to what I was there to do, which was give people information, you know, not only enough information, but an information in the right way so that they would understand it, agree with it, believe that it was possible for them, believe that it was worth it for them to do it, and then actually go do it and then sustain doing that. So anything that touched like any of that process, I was deeply fascinated by And what I found when I started to work with speakers at TEDx Cambridge was, you know, it's all the same. It really is. Just whether or not you're trying to take in information or whether you're trying to give information, the brain operates in the same way. And so, you know, generally that process, since that was the question you asked, it starts with like, why would I want this? And if it's a new idea, oftentimes it comes from like, well, what if, or how could I, why can't we? would happen if X or Y was different. And that's, you know, if you're hearing information, you're always listening for what will this get me? So it's the same question. Then the second piece when you're coming up with an idea is, well, why haven't we figured this out yet? And and there's this, this point of realization where we go, oh, because everybody's looking at this way, but I look at it this way. And here's why I look at it this way, because I believe this other thing to be true. And if that's true, then why not try this new way to do it, right? Like it's this process that we come up with for an idea. But guess what? It's exactly the same process we come to understand someone's idea too. Say someone went through that exact process that you were just talking about. And and obviously, maybe it's not written down. Maybe it's just in their head. They are kind of relaxing and or maybe they're on a walk and they're just like thinking all these thoughts. They get home. Now the sunset, they're going to bed and they wake up and they're just like, yeah, never mind. Like what? What extinguishes these ideas that feel like we're on fire for half a day? Um, and then we decide, you know what? Never mind. Well, sometimes there's a good reason why we end up saying never mind. And sometimes there's not a good reason. And I'd say, you know, I'd say the not good reasons to say never mind is because somebody else 
told you without enough knowledge that it wasn't a good idea. I mean, part of the reason why I came up with the process that I did was I wanted a more fair way, I don't know, or non-emotion burden way to determine whether or not an idea had, had strength and quality to it. And so for me, when I look at an idea or I'm working with someone to help articulate that idea, it really is a matter of like, well, can we fill in all these blanks? Can we fill in those pieces of information that somebody's brain isn't going to need to hear? So for instance, if we can say, yes, this solves a problem or answers a question that people actually have, yes, it represents a shift in thinking and perspective between what's there before. The reason for that shift is rooted in something that is true about the world. And therefore, you know, this is the shift in thinking or behavior that this idea represents. Like if you can fill in all those blanks and it's possible to actually put that shift into play, well, then you've got an idea that's got legs to it. But if you don't, then it doesn't mean that it's dead. A lot of times it just means you've got work to do, right? Sometimes it does. But uh, yeah, what, what saddens me is when somebody who's not your audience or who just is kind of giving a gut reaction based on their own view of the world and not because they've really fully understand your idea, just says, just dismisses it out of hand. There's just way too many cognitive biases in play that gets people to reject new things. Yes, this is why, uh, for those listening, this is why if you start a podcast or a YouTube channel, uh, your family and friends, I, I highly doubt, are your ideal audience. Uh, so feedback from them, I, I mean... Don't <laughs> ask them! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they're either going to tell you how amazing it is uh, and not tell you the truth or tell you that it's worthless and, you know... And they're like, I don't get it. Why are you exactly, doing this? I don't yeah. get it. Now... When you're talking about, uh, you know, flushing, flushing out now, here we go. We woke up now we woke up and we're like, you know what? This really does like this has legs. I'm convinced that a lot of us predict the future. We look at the kind of Mount Everest of effort it might take. And we look at our current job situation or our relationship or the family time that we want and all these different factors that then begin to extinguish that same flame. We're like, okay, wait a second. Like now I know it's real. This is special, but that's going to be a ton of work. How have you coached people who arrive to that conclusion um, and maybe get intimidated? Yeah, thankfully I don't do that. <laughs> um, generally my, my idea, I mean, the, the, where I really like working with people and where I, what I built my business to do is get to a point where people can then start to socialize the idea, meaning they start to socialize it with potential partners or with potential investors or with their, with their audience, their potential clients, et cetera. So they can really road test it from there. Because there's a, there's a ton of people out there who can, once there is a viable idea, can coach you on all the logistics of getting there. But I just saw over and over again that the people would go to those people and they wouldn't be successful because that really critical upfront work of, do I actually know really with clarity what this idea actually is? And that you've got all the pieces to it because... A lot of times, you know, I see, you know, with some entrepreneurs that they have a solution that's looking for a problem. They have an answer in need of a question and a solid idea needs both. Like you need both, like this is the question it answers and this is the unexpected, new, unfamiliar way that it does that. And so, you know, when I'm working with folks, that's what we're developing. We're developing what I call the minimum viable message. My kind of fancy name for it is the through line. But it always has those two parts. You know, you should be able to get that. You should be able to articulate your idea. What question does it answer in an unexpected way in 140 characters or less? You should be able to do that with your idea. And once you've got that, you need to be able to argue why that's the right answer 
And I would say, you know, 60 seconds or less. That's really the work that I'm working with people because on, because in my experience is, is that if you can do those two things, if you can articulate the idea in like 20 seconds or less, and you can make the case for it in 60 seconds or less, doesn't mean like someone's convinced, but they are, they understand in principle what it is that you're talking about, why, why it's important and why it would work again in principle, then everything else is cake. But so many people haven't done that work. They, they launch right into, you know, here's the product, here's the service, here's what we're seeing in the marketplace. But a lot of times that isn't how people make decisions about things. So, you know, we're not rational decision makers, as I like to say, we're rationalizing decision makers. When we hear a new idea, we make a snap decision based on what we already believe to be true about the world and what we care about. And then we rationalize it later right? About why that, you know, why we said yes or why we said no. And so my feeling was, as I started this work was, let's make your explanation for your idea rationalization proof. And the best way to do that, in my experience, is you just build the story that someone's going to tell themselves about it. You just, you're like, all right, I know you're going to build yourself. You're going to create a rationalization. You're going to tell yourself a story about this anyway. Let me just hand you one that I think is going to work based on my understanding of how you see the world. In some of my notes, I have here, your story equals their story. And it was something I took away, which is literally exactly what you just said. And we'll get into the book, uh, Find Your Red Thread, here momentarily. I wanted to, to kind of mention when, when you're talking about making a case, um, you know, for in 60 seconds or, or something, you know, you, you articulate it and then you're kind of making a case for it. When you're making the case in, in one of your social media posts, you mentioned you need to be answering the questions that are actually being asked, not the questions you want to be asked. Can you talk to me a little bit? That, I feel like that is such an easy mistake to make. It's like unbelievable. But can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So what happens is if we haven't done that work and, and figured out what people are actually asking, then we can convince ourselves that people are out there asking this question, which is, of course, the question they would need to ask to be interested in our product. But that leads you into a trap because if people aren't actually asking that question right now, right, you're going out there going, why aren't people engaging with this? Why don't, why don't they care? And it's because they have no idea what you're talking about and they don't see it as relevant to what they care about right now. So if for no other reason, the reason to anchor any explanation, your idea in something that people are actively asking right now, a problem they're actively trying to solve right now that they would admit that they're trying to solve, not what you from your knowledge on the mountaintop know that they're really asking. No, no, no. What are they asking? The primary reason to do that, if nothing else, is that it establishes immediate relevance for your idea. Oh, you care about more, uh, you know, about saving money on your utility bills? We help you do that. Here's how in this unexpected way. Oh, you care about making your business more profitable? We help you do that. Here's how. But a lot of times we want to skip over that because we say, well, I don't know, we've been sold a bill of goods by a lot of branders and marketers, you know, where we feel like everything that we say has to be differentiated. But if somebody doesn't know what you have is relevant to you, then they're not going to even be paying attention for you to establish that point of differentiation. So yeah, it really has to be something that's probably going to feel pretty unsexy to you, but it is, it needs to be really important to the person that you're talking to. And if it is, they will lean in to hear, hear about your answer every time. 
And and I'll give a real life example of that and, and using myself, not not in a indulgent type of type of way, but I'm I'm building a couple courses and I don't want to talk about podcasting gear or tech, but when I go onto Google Trends or Quora or Facebook groups, it's literally what everyone spends the most time on is determining, you know, what mic to get and what gear they need or whatever it may be. And that's the problem I need to solve first. And then maybe uh, if I nail that for them, then they'll like some of the other things that I have going on. But that's not what I wanted to do. It's not sexy. Well, and a lot of times though, it also determines. So I think we also forget that we get to choose what level of readiness of people that we talk to and that there's trade-offs for that, right? I mean, so you know, you could go in, Rich, and say, okay, already got your gear. Here's what you need to solve next. Because you've got people who are saying, okay, I have my gear and I'm still not successful, or I have my gear and I don't know what to do next. Well, guess what? That means that you don't have to talk about the gear. You're starting the conversation with four people who already have all the gear and are still struggling or have all the gear and still aren't getting traction or have all the gear and don't know what to do next. Well, that's where you can play. We get to choose just because people are asking a question also doesn't mean that you have to answer it because, you know, if you're spending your life as an entrepreneur answering questions, they darn well better be questions that you enjoy answering because <laughs> um, you're going to be doing it a lot. But the trade-off is that it probably means, yeah, that fewer people are asking it, but it means that more people are going to be, in, you know, more of the right people are going to be engaged in your content, your product, your service because you've already started them closer to you rather than like, let me just boil the ocean. Let me like lead you in with my podcast gear, YouTube videos. And eventually maybe you'll hire me to do X, Y, or Z. I'm like, "Mm, no, why don't you just start them sooner? You're going to get fewer. It means you're going to have to like let go of some of those vanity metrics. But what actually matters, right? Do the vanity metrics matter? The money metrics matter. Well, last time I looked like a business (laughs) needs money. (laughs) So let's go for those. I recently started what's called a content library, and I got this idea from a gentleman I had on the podcast named Dennis Yu. And Dennis Yu talks a lot about virtual assistants in that episode, and lo and behold, he led me to a system to formulate a content library that I could give to my team. And what this content library is designed to do is to get all the mentions of you online, all the times you've been mentioned, all the articles that you're involved in, all the podcasts that you've been featured on, just like a literally an Excel sheet that has a library all over this. Now, who the hell am I going to give this to? Me? Hell no, I'm not giving it to me. You know why? Because as I've mentioned before, it's a $10 task. I have people on my staff who I pay less than that per hour because I have become a master at delegating and trying to utilize a team. And the only reason that I even have a successful team is because I started with Rocket Station. Okay, Rocket Station places VAs. They're based out of Dallas. The VAs are overseas and they are head and shoulders above anything you think you're going to accomplish by trying to find a VA on your own. Part of it is a process mapping, which because you're listening to this, you will get 25% off of. All you have to do is mention the Leadership Locker or Rich Cardona and email them. You can email them here at Brooks at rocketstation.com, or you could go to landing.rocketstation.com to just poke around, have a call, talk to someone. And if you don't want to do that, you could talk to me about it. But there's no sense in my mind that would allow me to believe that you should be paying anything over that when you can get your processes documented and you could get someone full-time as an entrepreneur. I understand how money's tight. I understand labor's always gonna be the biggest expense. And this is literally why my business is all of a sudden turning a major freaking corner and I have the right team behind me. It's all because Rocket Station. Think about it. Let's get back to the show. 
You talk about in your book, Find a Red Thread, uh, Making Big Ideas Irresistible. Tell me a little bit about the book and what is an actual big idea versus just an idea. So to me, a big idea is any idea that is capable of changing somebody's world. So that can be one person's world. It can be the world. And you know, more specifically, and this is a definition I give in the book, that an idea is an answer to a question that doesn't yet have an answer or that needs a better one. And I think you can agree that that covers a lot of ideas. And and to me, that's important. Like that's that's critical because like I said, I just saw, would see so many people with great ideas that the ideas were failing at the point of articulation, you know, not at execution. It was just, they couldn't get across what it was about the idea that was so irresistible. And so the big idea of the book, it is also the first sentence, is that the best way to make an idea irresistible is to build the story that people will tell themselves about it. In other words, build that rationalization that we're talking about from your audience's point of view. Build their case for your idea rather than yours. You also have somewhere you say, I overthink things so you don't have to. Yes, um, <laughs> very true. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm like, wow, I would love to delegate all my overthinking. Um, but you, you, we've talked at length about articulating. Uh, and then there's a couple steps after that, which are elevating and amplifying. Um, so I'm sure there's overthinking involved in the subsequent steps. But we've articulated the idea. Like we are now at that point and we probably have a little bit of momentum. We have a small win, so to speak. Talk to me about elevating the idea. So I think elevate for me in that context, once you understand in concept what your idea is, that's the point at which you start really doing the work to differentiate it, to separate it, to put the legs underneath it, to give it the heft that it's going to need to sustain you or to sustain the business or to be strong enough to build whatever it is that, that you want to build on it. And so for me, that comes in creating, like I said, like a rationalization proof case for the idea that's really well anchored in the things that your potential audience really cares about it. And so to me, like, because you can have an idea and it, and it works, but a lot of times people don't take those next steps of, okay, but does it accomplish the thing that I need it to? All right. It, it does solve a problem. It would change somebody's world. Okay. I can articulate it, but do I want to? Like, do I really care enough about it? Or even if I do care enough about it, is this the idea that's going to get me to this outcome that I'm looking for? And a lot of times, you know, that leads to some hard conversations with yourself or with trusted advisors about, all right, well, I could pursue this, but if I also want this thing, which is the thing that I actually want more? And I find that that's really important. And it's those moments of choice where we really put where we're, we get enough clarity to put the kind of the two main things that we're thinking about head to head and we force ourselves to make a choice between those two things. Okay, do I want this outcome or do I want this idea? Because when, when those don't match, right, you're going to have to choose one or the other. You're going to have to either adjust your expectations about your outcome to match the idea you're willing to go or say, all right, if I really want this outcome and that's actually the most important thing to me, let me go back to the drawing board and see, figure out what is the, what's an idea that's going to help me get there that I'm still willing to put this much passion behind. So I think that's a really important piece of it is just really taking those steps of making sure that it's elevated, not only in the minds of your audience or your potential audience for the idea, but also that you've properly elevated in your own mind to the place where it's going to get the attention that it needs. 
That's the theme I'm I'm really taking away right now. And you could correct me if I'm wrong, but ultimately, you know, the ultimate or core result that we are looking, the outcome that you're talking about obviously has a lot of external factors in it, you know, whether it's a product or service, like you mentioned. But before all that, I feel like it's just an, an inordinate amount of inward exercising and, and self-awareness. And for people who aren't used to like looking that deep within uh, what are what are some ways you could help them not be critical of themselves, um, if if possible, to just be like, look, like this this is special, you know this this is special. I'm going to do the work. Well, I think some of it starts with acknowledging and giving yourself credit for taking some of those steps to do the work. Get to understand that the vast majority of people won't do that work. So that if you already are doing that work, you're already ahead, and that that deserves that deserves some credit. I mean, I just, I keep coming, I always come back to the, if the idea is worth it to me, then it's worth my doing the work for it. And so again, I'm taking it back to those two things, you know, put it, pitting two things against each other. If I'm not willing to do the work for it, well, then is the idea really worth it? Right. So, and if I really want to, you know, achieve an outcome, or if I really want to do that level of work, well, then the way I look at it is it's back on to me to find an idea that I will devote that level of effort to. But that's really where I get to. If people start getting down on themselves, I that's you know what I'm doing with clients is we'll step back. We'll kind of say, okay, well, is this still the outcome that you're looking for? Yes. Are these still the people you want to serve? Yes. You know, so sometimes just backing up and getting that perspective and saying, just rechecking, like, do you still want this? Are these still your people? Is this still an active, is this still a question that you want to answer for those people? Is this still a question you believe will help? Like if you answer for those people, do you have, or can you see how that would turn, you know, translate into the outcome that you're looking for? And if the answers to all of that is yes, then you know you've just hit kind of a bump in the road. So for this, a full credit to my what I call my financial therapist, this wonderful woman <laughs> named Wendy Hall. Uh, she's my outsourced CFO. Um, but she talks about it. She's like, you know, sometimes she says sometimes you're just on a bumpy road, you know, and it's very tempting when you're on a bumpy road to be like, well, should I get on another road or should I turn off or whatever? When really the only problem is it's just bumps in the road right now. You're on the right road. It's going to go where you're going. It's just, there's bumps on it. And I think it can be really helpful sometimes to back up and do that. So I think that is an exercise you can either do with yourself or do with someone else and go, is this still the right road? And if it's still the right road, then it's a lot easier to see that you're just in the middle of some bumps right now. And like any road, generally, if you keep going, eventually it's going to smooth out. Yes. Uh, I love how you mentioned, are these still my people? Um, I've worked with people and I've had this happen to myself as well, where you're actually not necessarily attracting who you thought you were going to attract. And, and clearly this is, this is that English to English translation, like is your messaging really where it needs to be? And that's just something uh, you need to reexamine if that's something you're going through. I need to ask you this, um, you know, now we've hit articulation and elevation and I, I mean, everything has been very powerful so far. However, you're talking about answering questions with unexpected answers. We're talking about differentiation and obviously anyone in marketing, um, anyone in sales is really going to look at, you know, what separates us from all the other commoditized things that are similar to us. How much pressure, um, you know, does that, does that cause where even if it's fractionally different, you know, it's still a good idea, but it might not be a, a unbelievably, you know, landslide difference. Talk to me about the pressure people can feel. A lot of that is 
societal. <laughs> a lot of that's cultural. Uh, and then a lot of times translates into, into personal pressure to feel like it's got to be super different and <laughs> about everything. Or, and I hear it a lot because a lot of my clients are in kind of, you know, they've got commoditized products or in there in commoditized industries, you know, like they make parts for things like, and other people make the same kind of part. Right. And that's where, that's where for me, it really comes down to, you know, it, and we've talked around it a little bit, but this intersection of, you know, who are you for and you know, why do you do what you do the way that you do it? Which is more than just kind of the Simon Sinek why, because that why is equivalent in a lot of ways to just your mission statement. You know, I spent 15 years in nonprofits, still work with a lot of nonprofits. And your why is, okay, why, why are you doing it? But what I've always been really interested in is why do you do what, what you do the way that you do it? And, and if you can get clarity around that, right there, that is always differentiated. That is always differentiated because that just comes to, particularly if we're talking about an entrepreneur, though it's true for companies, you know, companies as well, but absolutely true for an entrepreneur. Nobody sees the world the way that you do. So even if you produce the same part, the reason why you produce that part how you produce that part, the team that you put together to produce that part, who you produce that part for, where you think it's better. Like th- there was a reason why you created your business. Even if other people do something similar, there was a reason why you looked at that and said, there's still something I can add. And almost always in my experience that that something else that you can add is in the why you do what you do the way that you do it. And it was absolutely part of what you know, I don't lead with this in the book, but that's what the red thread that I talk about is designed to pull out. It's designed to pull out that you're for these people and not these people. It's designed to pull out that we're doing it for this outcome, not that outcome. It's designed to pull out that we answer this question, not that question. It's designed to pull out that we look at that this way and not that way. And that these are, this is what we believe about that, about the world. And therefore this is what we don't believe about the world. And so then therefore, that's why we do this. That's why we exist to put this idea, this product, the service or whatever out there. And by the way, how you do that is also a place, right? So, and here's how we do that. Like here's, here's the, you know, here's our team or here's our approach or here's the style that we put on top of it. All of those things are points of differentiation. And so sometimes I just don't think we look in the right place for differentiation. We, we think that it, we can do it in the colors that we use or the, like how funny our tagline is or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it is baked in to your business. It is baked into your worldview, that your difference. And so it's just a matter of pulling that baked in difference up into the light and making what is, you probably can't even see it in a lot of ways, because it's the lens through which you look at the world. But as soon as you take it, take them off, you're like, oh, like, have you ever put on somebody else's pair of glasses? And you're like, this is how you would see the world if you didn't have the glasses on? Like, like that's, my kids would do that. Like they put them on, they're like, oh my gosh, that's how you see the world without your glasses on? And they're like, what? But it's like, as long as I'm wearing my glasses, like it doesn't occur to me that that's different, Right. And that's where we have to, we have to make it explicit. Like we have to make our worldview, our point of view explicit. Um, Even if we never articulate the whole point of view to the outside world, the ability to articulate it to ourselves gives you extraordinary depth of resources from which to pull 
things like marketing content, you know, brand identity, graphic identity, et cetera. I've absolutely loved all that. And I, I could not just in my mind, like personal branding. I mean, I've done a lot in personal branding, but I'm like, hello, like if you did not catch what she just said, you're going to have to rewind and listen to it again. Like just a couple more questions. And, and one is circulates around people who ideate a lot. Part of the frustration, I, I think, with people who've been on an entrepreneurial journey and maybe have tasted some success is seeing new entrepreneurs, um, you know, chasing all kinds of different things. And every every week they come up with a different idea. And you make it very, very clear. Um, I believe it was I read it as well, where you said, don't look for new ideas. Like the idea is already within you, which is why you explicitly say you work with experts. <laughs> but yeah. uh, can you talk to me about not looking for new ideas? So counter to what a lot of people say, I believe that what got you here will get you there. That you already have baked into everything that you've done and designed the answers to things because you already have your own way of answering these problems. And because it's your own way, and even if somebody else does it the same way, they don't do it for the same reasons that you do. It may feel new to somebody else, right? But you don't have, it doesn't have to be new to you. And in fact, I think it's better if it's not new to you because you've already built strength behind that idea. And I mean that quite literally. You've built, you've got years and years and years and years of muscle of living that way, of thinking of that way, of of living to that idea or living within that worldview that's produced that idea. So that when you go reaching out for something new, you're really moving off of a point of strength, right? Think about it like, you know, if you grew up in a, in a particular neighborhood and you got to know it like the back of your hand, right? Like you can probably navigate that neighborhood blind. Like, you know, the fastest way to get from X to Y, you know, where to go. Like if it's this time of day, like if a street gets blocked, no problem. You can just wait, you know, route around. Now pick you up and drop you in to a foreign country in a foreign city that you've never been to before. Well, you don't know anybody. You don't know where anybody is. You don't know how to talk to people. You don't know how to get anywhere. And to me, that's what happens when you go reaching out for like a fundamentally new, different thing than what you've been doing so far. So, and I I end up working with a lot of people who are like, I need to find my next new idea. I need to find my next thing. I need like the next pivot or whatever. And to me, the, the seeds of that, Again, it can feel really new and different to somebody else, but the seeds of that are always present in what you're already doing. And I just find that when you can anchor it that way, not only do you feel more confident in the idea, but oftentimes it ends up actually making more sense to the marketplace because it it doesn't feel like you've just kind of like moved to this new thing. Um, Like I saw a ton of people do that in when in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I I referred to it as moving to COVID town, right? Everyone was like, oh, everybody's over in COVID town. Let me move me, my business, all my product servicing services and offerings over to COVID town where I don't, I don't know anybody. That's fine. Let me just see what I can make over here in COVID town. Meanwhile, like you're, you've neglected the plants in your own neighborhood and like, and what happens when things shift again? And then people are like, well, wait, what are you? Are you, are you this? Are you this, are, you know, are you our virtual presentation expert or are you this other thing? And it can start to confuse people. Whereas you can say, okay, you all can stay in COVID town. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sh- draw you a clear map between where you are, even if it's a new place and the market has just drastically shifted in a certain way and go, oh, I see where you are. I see what you're looking for. You can still find that in my town. You can still find that in my idea. 
Yeah, I, I had a gentleman on my podcast last year, Sean Cannell, and he goes, if you confuse, you lose. And and I, I like, oh, that's always kind of uh, grounding for me when I when I think like that. And I think what you're saying in my mind, just just me, like Mr. Marine, dude, how I think it's like a, a spokes, you know, from a bike, from a bicycle tire, right? Like, it's, it's still anchored somewhere, right? It's not it's not dramatically different. It's just an extension. Absolutely. They're all you, right? It's just part of the reason why I love that that metaphor of the red thread. It's like anything you do, as long as you do it because you are interested in it, not because you think other people will be. That's the distinction. As long as you're doing something that you are interested in doing, there is always a way to make it make sense with everything else you've done because it all is tied together through you. And so really that's the thing to find. It's like, and so that's where you can back up and not just why do I do this particular, like, you know, have I come up, you know, why did I come up with this idea in this particular way? But it's like, why do I live my life? Why do I globally do what I do the way that I do it? Um, and you can extend that same kind of the same principles that I talk about in the book where it's very specific to an idea really to you, right? So, you know, I can say that I see over and over again that whenever anyone's asking some version of the question, how do I close the gap between potential and reality? Like, I, I'm here. I believe that I can get here. How do I do that? That's a question I answer over and over and over again. I can see it in every single job that I have had. I can see it in what I'm interested in reading. Like, I am always fascinated in that. How do I close the gap between potential and reality? And I, you know, over time, I've learned that I look at that problem differently than other people. And we've just talked about it. A lot of times people think you have to go do something new. And my experience is just that, no, I actually, if you just go deeper in what you've already got, right, you know, there's a reason why if you're able to walk, your legs are amongst the strongest, it is the strongest muscle group in your body because it has to, they have to move you around, which means that when you need to, like, let's say you find yourself suddenly have to climb a wall where it's going to be a lot easier if you push with your legs and if you pull with your arms, not because you've suddenly magically learned how to like climb like rock walls, but because you walk around all the time and your legs are already strong. So to me, that's the same idea. So you can, you can take this higher and just say, why do I do what I do the way that I do it? What are those beliefs behind everything? What is that kind of clear perspective where it just seems like you look at the world differently than other people? Why do you believe those things to be true? And what are the kind of skill sets that you've brought to bear that, you know, are, are of interest to you? I mean, I've just always been interested in the spitting out of things, like in the articulation of things you know, probably because in, in my early years, I didn't feel like I was very good at it. So I was very, really interested in it. So I've just built up that piece. So I think all of us have that. And there's a way to tie together all the things that we do, even if from the outside to other people, it may not always be clear why they're tied together. Well, I want to say thank you for answering um, all my questions. And, and you know, I know these are questions that circulate uh, in the audience for sure. Um, I will save you a little bit of trouble and say you can find her at Tamsin Webster, basically on any social media platform, nothing crazy there. Uh, we've already obviously talked about the book, Find Your Red Thread. Are there any resources uh, people should be on the lookout for, whether they're on your website that could help them uh, in some of these beginning phases of, of ideating and, and validating? 
Yes, yes. Actually, so I've got a, a worksheet and there's an easy way to get to it. Just just type in conversationalcase.com. Um, and whether you put the the or the not or you don't, it'll still get, get you there. Um, but the <laughs> conversationalcase.com is a worksheet that I, I built originally for my clients just to help people kind of frame their thinking in this way. It's like a Mad Lib. Do you, have you ever played that game? Oh, yeah. that game? <laughs> it's basically that, but it's basically the, it's a version of the Mad Lib that your brain is looking for anyway, when it's trying to make sense of new information. So the whole idea is that if you fill out this case, this conversational case, let's say about your idea, and you're able to fill in all those blanks, not only will you know that you've got a really solid start on your idea, you've actually also got a really started solid start on how to articulate it. So conversationalcase.com, if you find that that's effective for you, then the book kind of drives down into each of those pieces that are on that worksheet and how to make them even tighter and even stronger. Thank you so much. So again, everyone, it's conversationalcase.com. The book is Find Your Red Thread. Tamsin Webster, thank you so much for being on the Leadership Blocker. My pleasure. Okay, so Tamsin and her 20 years of marketing and working with Weight Watchers and working with TEDx, being a producer there and working with Harvard Medical School, all that. I'm sure you heard it come through because she's an absolute animal. Uh, I'm, I'm just like freaking unbelievably flattered when I'm able to get guests like that. So look, you already heard what she had to say, conversationalcase.com and then find your red thread, making big ideas become irresistible. Look, this is a really important episode, so don't sleep on it because we ideate a lot. We we just like go in circles sometimes. And a person like this is literally someone who exists to just help you realize if you're going down the right path or not. Now, I am the guy who's always going to tell you, you could turn around anytime you go down the wrong path. However, you know, the sooner you find that out, the better. And what she was teaching you and that worksheet that she shared that you can pick up is probably going to make all the difference. So if you know other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who would benefit from kind of getting this pre-work done and having guidance from an expert, so to speak, whether you're reading the book or whether you're watching her content, share this episode, share it, share her, share me, share the episode, and then we can go from there. Thank you all so much. Appreciate you. See you next time.